Welcome to Talent Bus, where I talk with SaaS companies on how they are doing their talent acquisition. In today's episodes, I'm talking with Maria Duni from Personio, and we are discussing how they've been scaling their team in the Nordics market, where Maria is their country manager. And Maria joined the company roughly one and a half years ago. And let's start today's episode on the situation back then, when Maria joined, why she joined, and what was the task that was given to her? Wow, those are many questions at once. Let me see if I'm going to get them all. Uh, so how was the situation back then? Uh, you know, one and a half years in, in Personio times, it's like, it's like, you know, dog years. It's like three, four, five years, maybe. Um, but uh, it, yeah, the main difference is essentially the size. We were back then close to 600 employees. And now we are 1,600 above that essentially. I don't know the exact number right now. Uh, but yeah, 1,600 employees and all that happened in a year and a half, which uh, to me, it's still mind-blowing, right? Um, because at some point we were adding, uh, I think for for yeah for the year, at least we were adding 100 employees per month, uh, which like if you think about like one simple hire, the changes that that contribution makes to any team. Imagine like a hundred new hires, the changes that uh, they bring about in every team. Uh, but apart from that, I, I think like not much has changed in the sense that um, we're still uh, a bigger bunch of people that uh, is ambitious, has like a lot of drive and is really, really passionate about what we're doing here at Personio. Um but yeah, but in terms of the task that I was given, um, I was given the task of expanding Persona's presence in the Nordics. Um, at that at that point in time, we did have some customers in the Nordics, but um, it was mainly like them being proactive and, and reaching out. So essentially, my task was to grow the team, uh, which I successfully have done so with the help of our amazing talent acquisition team um, and of course um, to grow our revenue in the Nordics. Well, how big was the kind of team in Nordics when when you started and how, how big the team is now roughly? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I think we are now 18 and like all together and um, back then how many were we? Was one, two, three, five maybe max? Four to five. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And is your Nordics teams basically kind of a commercial team? So like really focusing on bringing in customers from the Nordics, but then for example, product development is is done elsewhere. Did I understand that correctly? Yes, exactly. So we, like the Nordics team is essentially sales development representatives and account executives that are really focused on bringing on board new customers. And after that, we have implementation managers that take care of the customer during the implementation period. And after that, we have growth managers that essentially work as account managers in other companies where they take care of like renewals and um, generally of the customer after the the after sell <laughs> process. Yeah, exactly. I think it's kind of fascinating what is happening in a SaaS company when when SaaS company is raising a round of funding. And in 2021, you raised $270 million. Uh, 2022, this year, roughly $200 million. So how has those funding rounds affected uh, Personio Nordics like and your, your yeah. growth goals and all that? Yeah. I mean, the numbers do speak for themselves, for sure. But uh, in general, like 
as it's obvious, having more money in the company when it comes to like hiring, it did allow us to be able to invest more money in inclusive hiring processes, right? So that is really important for us. So being able to, for example, attend events where more underrepresented groups are present um, and really increase our representation in, in such events, but also like be able to invest resources into the frameworks and the policies around the inclusive um, inclusive recruiting um, so that everyone has like a similar or as close to possible um, equitable, let's say, um, um, hiring right? application process from start and then, of course, hiring process as well. So it has impacted it positively. You're not going to be surprised by that because, of course, when you have more resources to, to invest, then, of course, you are able to improve everything that's already in place. Yeah. Exactly. I think DEI is like super important topic, something that companies are are investing quite heavily. And I'm actually recording today uh, in the in the afternoon an episode with uh, Heidi from Slack. Uh, she is a director of equality over there. We are discussing DEI stuff in more more detail. Really, really going down on there. But maybe. Kind of quick question for you regarding kind of your DEI. You've been doing a lot of research on DEI in the Nordic. So what's what's the situation with DEI stuff in the Nordic level? Yeah. Well, yeah, we we have let's say studies on that perspective from from a personal perspective. Uh, what we're doing with DEI is that we do have a variety of different techniques in place. Um, in order to ensure again inclusive hiring, uh, for example, we might use a Boolean strings that you know we use to target underrepresented groups and to make sure that we increase those groups, let's say their presence into our hiring process. Um, but also, like internally, what is really important, I think, when focusing on the in I, and of course, probably your next podcast is going to be more uh, specialized on that. But what I see from from my perspective is the the trainings that we do, the anti bias trainings and the diversity trainings that we do for hiring managers and for our talent acquisition team alike um, are really important because it helps us as people that participate in hiring processes to make sure that um, we challenge the way our human brains work that have unconscious biases of course and uh, you know train ourselves to to think more inclusively if that's um, as inclusive as possible let's say or become aware of those biases so when it comes to DNI, like we, we have uh, designated resources in Personia as well, which is um, just to show that we really like are putting work in this. Uh, and it, we're putting work from, from scratch, like from the beginning when it comes to the job description. We're making sure that we're using inclusive terms. Um, of course, like every company has now there like the, the diversity statement. Um, but also when it comes to like the benefits that we have as a company, we put a lot of resources and a lot of work in, in those benefits to make sure that they, they the benefits are also inclusive. So in terms of locations or where we hire people or in terms of parental leave, um, we really put a lot of work into having inclusive benefits as well. Yeah. And I think that kind of when sharing about the job post, like inclusivity is, is super important over there. I actually have one kind of real life example, not from the recruitment, but from kind of other, other industries. So me, me and my girlfriend, we are running an Airbnb business on the, on the side, renting out our own, own place in Tampere, Finland. And when, when we published the apartment over there, I did the text 
And it's been actually quite interesting to follow up who are booking the apartment. And I think like 95% of all the bookings come from men. And then I did some analyzing for the text that I've written over there. And Mm -hmm. what I actually noticed was that I have wrote a lot about things that I care about. Like I mentioned that we have like 85 inch TV on the living room where you can look sports. And I think that's kind of a good example that that kind of text most likely will attract more men than women. And I think it's same, same comes down to the kind of job ads and like what you are writing, writing over there. So I think it's super, super important, but how kind of in practice, like if you think a job ad, like, and if, if now someone is listening and they are like, Hey, I want to make sure that our job at are inclusive. Like how, how can you test that one? Or how, how you can kind of collect the data, like whether this is, is good or bad. That's a, that's a great question. Before, before going to, to answer that, I think that's, that's a really interesting example that you shared there because, you know, our words matter and they really have the power to, to impact results, right? So uh, while you were speaking about that, I had an interesting correlation in my brain because you will be talking to Slack later on. Um, and what Slack does is if you write a con- like if you write a post somewhere in a group, in a channel, and you say, hey, guys, like you get this automated uh, Slack message that says, you know, we're trying to be inclusive here. Um, so being really mindful of, of how we address, um, how address even our colleagues, right? Like being being very mindful of that. Um, so th- that was something that just popped in, into my mind. Um, but yes, how do we make sure that we, the job descriptions are, um, you know, how do they, how, how does that look in essence? Um, it takes a lot of work and uh, definitely I'm not like the expert behind it. Uh, there are teams that are more capable and more, more uh, specialized in that than myself. Um, but there are so many things that you need to take into consideration when it comes to like to culture and differences. For example, um, like in Germany, how they, would they address like male, female and um, not, or for, in the Nordics, for example, we don't use at all uh, when it comes to the requirements of male, female um, or, or uh, what our German ads, let's say, have. So um, it's it's about defining, like we work with personas a lot when it comes to like writing the job description. So defining those personas in, an, in as much as an inclusive way as possible. So the, the job description is written in collaboration like with the hiring managers and, of course, with the talent acquisition team, but, of course, our DEI expert as well. Uh, there's, there are a lot of iteration, let's say, to make sure that everything is taken into consideration before it is being posted on our website. Regarding the kind of job ads that you are doing, so can, can you share how you make sure that those are kind of DEI friendly in a way? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I was I was saying that essentially when before having like the job the job description, we work very uh, very much on personas. So in order to ensure um, uh, all the requirement that all the requirements are met, so we work we identify personas. Um, in order to make sure that every skill that is needed in each department is kind of included there. So that's like kind of the, the framework, the backbone, the structure. And then before going into the job posting, then we have like the hiring manager, the talent acquisition team, and of course the DEI team in Personio that are going through like the text and making sure that is representative of that persona, but also uh, is using inclusive, inclusive wording and uh, 
you know, it's relevant to both the location, but also to, to the, the department and the role as well. Exactly. Exactly. And when it comes down to that kind of recruitment and talent acquisition team, like do, do you have a kind of global talent acquisition team that you are working or do you have a like local local person focusing on the Nordic Nordic market or how, how that one is working exactly? We, we have both. <laughs> we have both uh, in the sense of, uh, and thankfully we do because we have um, we have the resources to support that, of course. Uh, but like in general, general, like having a global team to to mind recruiting, um, it does help to create like that kind of consistency that you want to have across the organization, and therefore like makes make it certain that you have standardized processes. Um, but then the, the downside of that is the fact that uh, a global team needs to have the foundation of like continuous communication and knowledge sharing and, you know, being in a, in a corporate world, uh, for some time myself, there are always silos, right? So it's, it's hard to have only a global team in order to have like successful recruiting. So I think it's really important to have the local teams as well, because it's, you can, you can have that sense of belonging faster. So um, I think finding the balance between like which processes and which um, workflows will be handled from like a global or um, pan-European, let's say, perspective, uh, and which will be handled from the local ones, because you always need kind of that understanding of of the market, the talent market, and um, the local expertise. So we do both, uh, of course, which is which is great. Um, but yes, in terms of recommendation, I think uh, finding the balance between both of them, um, it's key here. Yeah. Can you share a bit, bit more on that? Like how, how is it kind of structured exactly? So for example, like for employer branding, like do you have some one local doing that one or is it something that comes from the global level? And for example, like in which kind of recruitments you are using maybe the global team and for which kind of you are using the local team and how, how exactly that, yeah. that works? Yeah. In order to ensure like the standardization that I was talking when it comes to employer branding, that is on a global level. So like there are people in the global team that are working with this is how we're doing things across across region and this is kind of how what we need to do. But then when it comes to to like the local teams that are more like office um, located, like um, local in that perspective, um, they are closer to the teams themselves, right? So our talent acquisition manager is closer to the sales team. Um, they have an understanding of like the everyday uh, tasks and the requirements for the role and also the, the team dynamic and the feel of the team, right? So when they're talking to uh, a potential candidate, they can be more truthful to what they're saying when they're describing the team, for example, or, or even myself or a hiring manager. Um, so that adds a lot into making that um, the hiring experience more personable and, and closer to reality, right? In order to set the right expectations for the candidate. That makes sense. That makes sense. And regarding them, kind of employer branding part, I, I personally noticed that it's way, way easier to recruit people when when you are kind of well well known brand, so ha- have you seen any changes on that one? Kind of during the time when when you started, you were still quite kind of early on player on the on the Nordic markets. Now, at least for me, kind of like if if I should mention like some HR tech companies from the from the world, like Personio would come to my my mind at least. But have you noticed kind of any change on your recruitments when you are getting more and more kind of recognized on the Nordic market as well? That's great that we're on your mind. <laughs> um, no, um, employer branding, of course, like let's say in, in the DAC region in Germany, we are 
very very well known like there is i don't think there there are a lot of people that don't recognize the brand uh, but of course we had to build that kind of presence in uh, the other regions that we are present in and we i mean we, we have we have like uh, great employees we hire great people and there's uh, an immense linkedin presence as i say in posts from from um, people that don't work directly with employer branding but this goes back to when i was saying about like the the ambitious bunch of people that we are and the the, the drive and the, the hunger that is there because um i think we were nominated uh as a company that you know employees post more on linkedin or something like that um so Yes, employer branding, let's say, in, in areas and regions that were outside of our initial region, Dach, uh, has been, um, um, we, we have had to put more resources, let's say. But as you say, right now, it's it's very rarely so that I don't hear from someone saying, oh, yeah, I've seen you on LinkedIn, or yeah, I saw you at that event, or I heard about you. So there's definitely something that uh, worked there or that we have been doing well in terms of growing our presence. Yeah. Do you think for the kind of presence building on LinkedIn, like how, how do you kind of make sure that your people are active? For example, let's let's take the Nordic markets. Like I, I've been thinking about different ways of kind of making people uh, active on LinkedIn. For, for example, for us in in Salent, we have actually built a bonus model uh, over uh, building our own own brand. So we are basically uh, giving people bonuses if they are uh, first uh, active on LinkedIn, then secondly, if they are doing videos, and thirdly, if they are doing podcasts. Because I really believe in that kind of brand building, it both helps for getting the best employees for us in the future, but also kind of getting uh, best possible customers for us in the in the future. And uh, that's that's why we kind of built a bonus model on that one. And I've been personally coaching a lot of <laughs> kind of companies on utilizing LinkedIn. And I think it's an always a challenge to kind of get a lot of people involved on on that one. So do you do you have like some kind of system in place to kind of encourage people to to be active or how how does that happen? That's a, that's a very interesting approach. I don't think I've I've heard that approach before, um, and and I think it's it's great. Uh, so I, I'd love. I I mean I do see the results on LinkedIn. I see I see everyone being very extra present from your side. So I'm curious to know who is actually smashing their bonus <laughs> right now. Um, but um, I I have to say we don't we don't make anyone or we don't have like a framework or a policy in the sense like or oh, you have to go and post on LinkedIn. I think and that also proves the fact of how proud the people that work for the company are and and do go on LinkedIn uh, themselves. Um, and then I think it's also like the, the sheer presence of numbers, like, you know, you have, I don't know, thousand out of the thousand six hundred posting, that kind of uh, increases the avalanche. And uh, also like from a sales perspective, um, when it comes to, to, to LinkedIn, we do leverage LinkedIn um, as in growing our brand and our product brand as well. So that they work hand in hand, like uh, as the product brand increases, then the employer brand also increases. Um, so it's it's a positive impact from that perspective. Um, but we do have like an internal communication challenge, a channel, for example, where we do share our LinkedIn posts and we get like the rest of the team and the rest of the organization to chime in and to support us and to you know like or comment. Um, so. I think like we don't have anything that is um, like set in stone as a, as a policy, but there's there's a lot that has happened there um, just by you know the sheer desire of people doing it. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, one thing that would be interesting to kind of go go through is a kind of super kind of example case. So let, let's say that you would need an kind of account executive, executive for Nordic markets. And you're like, hey, we need someone to join our team, let's say in February. Like how, how would the process go? Like what, what would be things you would be doing? What would be the things that your kind of recruitment team would be doing? And how, how would the process look like? Yeah. Um, I mean, the process would, would start from, from a headcount planning or earlier on, right? Where we decide like for every region, how many, um, how many people would need in the team to um, make sure that we reach the goals that we have defined. And after that, when we say, let's for example, we're going to need one additional account executive to start in February, uh, we would be late in starting now. Potentially, <laughs> exactly. uh, but let's say let's say we're, we're you know we're uh, agile, so we can really respond fast to this. Um, so of course there is a job description uh, ready because we have hired in the past, right? So we would go over that job description again with the talent acquisition manager and make sure that it is still relevant, up to date. Uh, of course, uh, consult with our um, D and I experts. Um, and see like if there there are things that we need to change. After that is completed, then of course the job posting goes live um, on like our website, but also like on LinkedIn and other uh, platforms where we post um, our, our jobs. And um, we use Personio and Personio, not surprisingly, right? So uh, the moment that something would be online and we would start to receive applications, then um, we would receive applications in Personio. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And then, for example, those applications, like, would you be going through those or would someone from your recruitment team would go through those or who who would handle that part? Yeah, it would be our talent acquisition manager that would be going through um, the initial uh, reach out and the the initial kind of discussions with with the candidate. And after that phase and after that initial discussion, um, I would be involved or a hiring manager would be involved um, into the process. So we have different processes depending on different roles and different locations, of course, and different requirements when it comes to it comes to the role, right? Because uh, when it comes to sales, you need to prepare like a, a case study and you need to speak specifically to like uh, examples um, that we, we require. But of course, in engineering, there are other requirements and uh, across organizations. So there are um, there are different processes, let's say, but more or less yeah. try to keep it as standardized as possible in the sense of when is the hiring manager uh, involved, how many steps follow after that. And essentially one key part of our process is um, what we call the, the peer value um, founder, founder um, part, which is the, pro- the part where it's crucial both for the candidate and ourselves because at that point, you get the opportunity to talk to your peers, uh, to talk to someone in the organization that is not necessarily someone that you will be working with on a daily basis, but mm. is crucial to the process because um, the line of of um, the questions that are asked in that in that step are very very much related to our core values and our operating principles. Mm. Um, so that's a, a foundation for us, like making sure that. You know, not only we have, let's say, um, someone that has similar values or can relate to the values that we have in place, but also that they can add even more. So they're like, you know, a value add or a culture add to to whatever we have in place. And, and then, of course, uh, the, the founders, so they, they get the opportunity to talk to someone from our C-level, um, uh, C-level team. 
And I think like, uh, at least for me, because I've also been part, like I, I took part in that process. I think for me, it was really um, interesting to to get that view of the, the company at, at that stage and to really, you know, understand that, yes, this is a kind of um, company that I would like to work for. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree on that one. I think like somehow kind of meeting the team or meeting people in the organization, I, I think it gives kind of good insights for the candidate. I, I think there are maybe, I think too many companies who are only focusing on kind of validation of candidate skills or uh, their motivation and stuff like that. But then there are still a lot of people who kind of forget the fact that you still need to be kind of selling your company and kind of giving the candidate everything they need in order to make the best decision for for themselves. And I think it's always kind of balancing between kind of validation, uh, telling about your company super, super openly, not overselling. I, I think that's a big risk to do as well. Yeah, it is. But can I ask you, because you're also growing a lot, do you already have like a, a process, like a defined process in place or how is that looking? It is something we we are still still building. Uh, we do have first version of of everything, uh, collecting data, seeing what is working, what isn't working, and we have I would say this kind of kind of testing culture. So we we also want to try out new things a lot. For example, one one thing we we tried out uh, not not very successfully, I, I would say, was that gonna after the first intro call with a, a potential candidate typically what companies do is that they basically share that, hey, this is the next step of the recruitment process. Mm-hmm. And then we're we thinking like, is that really something that is kind of best for the candidates? And uh, then we were thinking like, it's more about like what the company wants, like what would happen if we would change like what the candidates wants. And we we actually tested out, like we gave candidates like six different options to choose from. Like, what do you want to do next? Oh. Like, hey, do, do you want to directly go to the task phase after the intro call? Or do you want to have an interview regarding your skills? Or do you want to have a discussion around our numbers, our salary model, or do you want to meet the team? Like, what what do you want to do <laughs> next on the, on the process? And that, that was interesting to try out, but it has, for example, brought in a lot of challenges as well. Yeah, Zero responded yes to the skills. Uh, <laughs> like, they were like, no, no one. <laughs> there, there were some who wanted over there, and then there was, for example, one person who wanted to go directly to the task phase after a, a short kind of intro call. And that, that was super, super interesting. But I think kind of challenges on that one is making the recruitment process scalable. And then kind of how do you make sure that when you are evaluating the candidates, like how you make sure that you can do it in a fair way? Like if someone has gone through this route, someone is going through this route. And uh, there, there were some challenges, but we are all <laughs> always kind of trying out new new things. And I think learning so far for me has been to have super clear kind of must-have criteria for like who you are hiring. Like you know exactly like, hey, here are the must-haves and you should have those written down before you can open <laughs> open up the job. And then just make sure that in your recruitment process, you make sure that you find out the information for, for that kind of thing. And then kind of balancing between kind of sharing super openly what kind of place you are our work, uh, we had a discussion with me and then my co-founder, Sara, and one potential employee, I think it was roughly a month ago. And then Sara said it 
nicely on the call, like, hey, Samuli, can you now scare the candidate a bit? Like, share really what is happening in a startup in this phase. And then I went like all, all in sharing all the shit that is going on, all the processes we are missing, all the <laughs> struggles we are having. And I think it's kind of super important to talk openly about those because then you might end up having someone join the company and then they realize that uh, this is not at all what I was expecting. I, I think that's kind of a horrible situation for both parties, actually. Exactly. To the point that you were saying earlier, like, uh, make sure to not oversell, right? Uh, I think like having that, you know, reality check and being sure that, you know, you manage expectation and you're like, okay, this is all great and dandy, but like, we actually do work here. So <laughs> uh, it's it's important. But also what you said about like, uh, standardizing, because of course, we ourselves, we've been there as well, right? In the terms of like being a startup and having like, different approaches and not having similar approach to recruiting when it comes to um, to different regions right so specifically in the sales department we we the standardization is the fact that when we're having that initial discussion from um, the hiring manager kind of call that we have that we are all looking for five you know the, the same five things um just to make sure as i said to provide like the same experience to every candidate and also make it fair as well exactly I think one one interesting thought regarding the selling was uh, in Nordic Nordic Business Forum, there was founder of Vault, Miki Kuusi, talking over there. And Miki shared that in the past when he was uh, kind of part of the recruitment process, he was doing like 50% validation, 50% selling of the company. But nowadays he's doing 100% selling the company because for some roles, it's kind of super hard to find to find those people. And as the founder, uh, that that is his jobs. And actually, I, I must give a... Quick, uh, quick tip on that one. If someone knows Mickey, please introduce me to him because I want to do an episode with <laughs> Mickey regarding Walt <laughs> journey and <laughs> regarding <laughs> that one as well. Because I think that is super important uh, topic, kind of the selling validation and how how to balance over there. Of course, of course. I, I think it's uh, it's about like you know good cop, bad cop people in the process as well <laughs> because uh you know like for for example our talent acquisition manager is going to be like a bit uh, high in all the selling part but then the hiring manager is going to be pretty leveling on the the reality like this is what we actually face every day and then i think it's always up to the candidate to make that decision if you know where do i see myself uh, with the overselling and like kind of balance it out essentially exactly um and you you have a lot of background from kind of commercial recruitment, so basically like sales salespeople and people regarding on that. What what are your kind of best tips on kind of validating the skills of a salesperson? Like what what do you look at the salesperson? And how how do you test them? And what kind of questions you are asking from them? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, when it comes to like the initial part of the call and the way that we currently do it in Personio, it's, as I said, like we, we focus on these five areas that we try to make sure that we're asking questions that are standardized and that we try to look for like drive, resilience, solution over problems, attitude, curiosity as well. So the five kind of topics that we have identified uh, across regions in sales that we actually need to have. So it's not so much about like the skills themselves because you can teach someone skills. It's more about the attitude and the mindset uh, because we can't hide from it. Sales is a, a demanding, let's say, um, 
department to work in. Uh, so if you don't have like the, the resilience and the grit that is needed, um, and you can ask me, okay, Maria, but how do I prove I have that? Well, the questions are formed in that way that it doesn't, you know, it's not that you're going to come and tell me, oh, yeah, I hit 150% of my number, like my annual number. And I'm going to go, oh, that's great. That's resilience. It's more coming from like, you know, other examples or other other areas of your life or even your professional life. If you have uh, handled a situation that was challenging or difficult or how did you go about, let's say, um, managing a difficult situation? So that is the initial part. So the, the mindset and, and the, the way that people are, are thinking. And then we go into the skill assessment. Right? So the skill assessment is part of the, the hiring process. And I personally believe it needs to be uh, specifically for the people that are more experienced in the sense of, well, even for those that are not, but in the sense of we have explained now that this is how your day would look like. Um, show us an example of what you would do if, these were the circumstances um yeah. and then it's not like there is not so much about you know testing it's more of seeing the the, the you know the different approach that one might have uh when it comes to the tasks that they're presented with yeah yeah for me personally like kind of coachability and ability to take feedback and give feedback is is kind of super super <laughs> crucial and for example like how how i try to test people for, for sales and for other, other roles as well is but having some kind of task. I think it can be many, many different things. But what, what I typically look like is like when I ask the person like, hey, how did it went? What would you do, do differently? Like if they can pinpoint something, they would do different. That's typically a good, good trait. And then at the same time, like when I give feedback for them, like they, they can kind of accept that one, write notes down. And then, for example, I, I remember my past past job what what we did when we worked together with HubSpot and for example recruited people for kind of sales roles who would be selling HubSpot we did recruitments together with with them so they typically actually run the task phase for for us and what we did over there was that there was a kind of smaller sales task then there was feedback and then there was another run kind of right after that one and then we checked live out like hey the feedback would they kind of work on the feedback right away and kind of do the things a bit differently. And I think that is super good trade for, for a salesperson, at least. Yeah, I fully agree. And that is that's something that we also have incorporated in, in our process. Um, so yeah, coachability is the, the fifth one that I didn't mention, I mentioned earlier. Uh, and I think it's really important. One of our core values is, is transparency. Um, and as part of that, like we, we really believe in feedback. Um, feedback is a gift, right? And sometimes it can be hard to accept, uh, but all the times like any kind of feedback will take you one step uh, further on where you're trying to go. So I, I definitely believe and fully agree on what you're saying it's really important to see those moments during the hiring process where the feedback and how the feedback is actually taken um, because it's going to really show how that the future collaboration is going to look like and that's a wrap for today's episode thank you so much for listening hopefully you got a lot of good ideas about SaaS talent acquisition if you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it on your social so others can hear it too. And if you have a topic in mind that you would like me to cover in this podcast, share it with me as well. I'm Samuel CEO and co-founder in Talent V, where we help fast-growing SaaS companies in their talent acquisition. 
Make sure to follow us. Make sure to follow this podcast and have an awesome week. Bye-bye.